you let people fail yeah uh, and you give them the responsibility and i you know my boss i referred to at the very beginning he always said i'm going to give you enough rope he goes you're either going to run with it you're going to hang yourself with it and mm -hmm. i was like okay and he let me fail and i'll just say leadership is learned when people are giving you the opportunity to fail and that means that they've given you a responsibility they've offered you feedback they've offered you guidance but ultimately you learn leadership by actually doing it. You are listening to The Real Leaders Podcast, where leaders keep it real. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards, and that advice comes from Charles Knippen, the national president at the National Society of Leadership and Success, who states that we need to let more people fail. So in today's episode, Knippen shares what makes a great leader. What skills are essential for students to come out of college with, and the importance of learning through failure. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for the real Charles Knippen. Enjoy. Let's get this show on the road in five, four, three, two, and one. And welcome, everyone to this episode of the Real Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards. Joining us today is the president of the National Society of Leadership and Success, Charles Knippen. Charles, thanks for being with us today. Kevin, thanks for having me here. Wonderful. Well, leadership and success. What makes a good leader to you? And maybe give our audience some context about NSLS. Sure. Um, I'll give the context first. Where uh, So I'm the president of the National Society of Leadership and Success. We provide leadership programming at over 700 colleges nationwide. We have 1.3 million members nationwide who are selected by their colleges, invited, and if they accept that invitation, they go through our accredited leadership development program. So they're spending 12 to 15 hours on their campus with what we call the foundations of leadership to build those skills needed outside the classroom to be successful. And so when I think about what leadership is, it is, to me, first, it's about stepping up. It's the person who is willing to step up when others don't, um, that they're able to define a vision for what they want to accomplish. They're able to clearly communicate that vision. And lastly, that they're able to rally a group of people and engage and empower them to make that actually happen. Interesting. So uh, what are some examples maybe that stick out to you of leaders exemplifying those four pillars? I mean, when you look through history, there are so many people that uh, the the Mavericks, the you know uh, Elon Musk's of the world, the Steve Jobs of the world, who you know looked at something and said, "Let's do it differently," and said, "Let's you know let's create something and let's do something uh, in a different way that no one else has thought uh, possible before." And so, I really resonate with that type. Though you know, when we look at what we do on a nationwide basis, it is about trying to help students in a different way that maybe they're not getting. And that, uh, you know, how can we step in and help them? And so I, I look again to those Mavericks as those Elon Musk, the Steve Jobs of the world, those disruptors um, that come in and uh, want to change the world. So some of these students, they come in with a lot of passion, or at least they're in school and they, they want to change the world. What mm -hmm. advice would you give a student uh, who has a lot of passion and wants to pursue something to make the world a better place? My number one tip for anyone out there is simply this, find a mentor, find mentors. Um, I can't tell you that for most successful individuals, they will point to the people 
who have blazed the path ahead of them. And that there are people out there who are just waiting, who are just waiting to help you. That when you come to them with your passion, with your commitment, with your time, and with your energy, there's going to be people that are going to come out of the woodwork. And those folks can be your mentors and helping you, guide you, and providing the assistance to you. Maybe it's their network. Maybe it is their um, their resources, the, the time, energy, and money. Um, but, you know, having that mentorship, having that guide, that Sherpa, whatever you want to call them is going to be, you know, uh, the first part of that success for a student. Charles, you mentioned before the show, you're a, a Xavier Musketeer. Uh, what was <laughs> go X. exactly go X. Now, what was, uh, what did you do after college? I mean, who were some of the mentors mm-hmm. that helped you and, and why'd you decide to get into NSLS? Well, I have to tell you this first. So when I went to Xavier, I thought my freshman year, I thought I was going to be a um, a lawyer. So I started out in political science and music. So my goal was I wanted to be a copyright lawyer. I did not. I did an internship at a law firm and uh, I realized I was not meant to be a lawyer. And I actually went through five majors at Xavier. Still graduated in just over four years. Um, but at each step along the way, I got a job or internship in that field to learn, do I actually want to do this? And so that's going to be another tip I would share here today for any student or anyone watching this. If you're thinking about a career change or your first career, test it out. You know, whether that's volunteer work, a part-time job, talking with someone in the field, test that, that, that career out before you jump right into it. Um, but so I made it through. I went through uh, several different internships in education, human resources, business, and landed in a marketing internship with a group called Making It Count. And Making It Count was a nationwide speaking organization. They went into high schools and colleges and they talked about making the most out of the experiences. And so that was my first job. I was actually supposed to go um, to the Jesuit Volunteer Corps after school. I had applied, I was uh, at the orientation. But I realized that I was really connected to the mission of helping college students and helping high school students and what we were doing back at Making It Count. So I actually jumped into my car in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, drove it eight hours back uh, to Cincinnati uh, overnight. And uh, the person I was working for, who was my mentor at that time, uh, he you know, just said, you know, you can live with my family. You can uh, and in the morning. We're gonna, you're going to wake up when you wake up from your nap. We're going to get started working um, on our programs and we're going to change the world. And so that first person, Pat O'Brien, uh, he changed everything. He changed the trajectory of my career. And when I woke up, uh, you know, I, it was a whole different path than what I was going to do at the Jesuit Volunteer Corps. And I woke up and we created uh, an amazing program to help ninth graders, uh, to help them make, make the most out of high school, uh, juniors, to help them make the most out of the college search process. And it was just an amazing journey and an amazing person who really took the time, energy, and resources to help me become successful and to teach me what it was to be successful in business, how to be a servant leader, how to create that vision, and how to make things happen. Charles, I think like the average uh, career change for like a person is like eight or nine times. Like a person will go through eight or nine different jobs before they land on something that they truly find meaning in or, or like, or stay with for a long period of time. Um, how important is it in your program to help these students understand their core values, what they believe in and who they are? Absolutely. It all starts with your purpose. Mm -hmm. Our entire program, 
So the first thing that we do actually, uh, so our program is split up into five steps. You're going to go to an orientation, then you're going to spend a, uh, go to a leadership training day with a group of people. Then you're going to go through three speaker broadcasts with world-renowned leaders. We've had Sir Richard Branson. We've had, you know, uh, famous actors. We had Jack Black, Neil Patrick Harris this semester, um, you know, just a wide range of folks that they can learn and hear from. Um, then we put them into small groups to create goals and they have to meet in those groups for a certain number of times. And then they get to celebrate with an induction ceremony. And so the first thing that we do though, is to uh, give them the, the insight and they do the DISC assessment. It's a communication styles assessment. And we tell them, we go, it's not about how you communicate. There are four different ways that people are put into categories and you, know, you could be a D, an I, an S or a C. That's great to know about yours. But what's more important for you as a leader is to flex your style. And so we give them that route first and we have them practice that. But once you understand your communication style, more importantly, it gets back to your purpose. Why are you here? What do you want to accomplish? What's your passion? How do you find, you know, when you have your passion over here and everyone's telling you over here that you need to have a career and you need to make money and, you know, do all those things. What's that intersection point? Mm. What's that intersection point of where your passion meets your career? That's what we call your purpose. That's your purpose when you're going into your career. So it's everything to your question, Kevin. It, it, it's everything to know what your purpose is, what your intersection of that passion in your career is to actually figure out what you want to do for the remainder of your life. Even if it is seven, eight, nine different career changes, it all has to center around your purpose. I, I think that's so important. And I think that's something that never gets taught in business school or just in school in general. Uh, how do you align your values with your skills? Uh, we never talked about it, certainly. Do you think there's a failure in uh, education and, and business schools across the United States and around the world today? I think that the word failure is a little strong for that. I think that there's an opportunity for it to build, for there to be a continuing build on what they get in the classroom, because what they get in the classroom is foundational as well, that, you know, you have to know finance, you have to know was a business. So, yes, there are so many valuable things I learned. But what we're doing and with the NSLS and what there are so many great organizations out there doing as well is simply supplementing, building on what it is that they're getting in the classroom to help them achieve that level of success, to help them understand themselves and understand that it's not just about what you do in the classroom. It's not just about getting that 4.0. And, you know, it's really about what you do beyond that to build a career and to build yourself and to make sure that it is passion filled and that it is uh, purposeful. Do you maintain like a relationship with these students after they leave the school? Like, for instance, you know, I mean, I'm not too far out of college. So, like, you know, I see a lot of friends that uh, are pursuing something and or myself included. And, you know, it's really difficult to do something um, that is, I guess, non-conventional. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the resources are out there, yet it's it's really difficult to find a sense of connection uh, around this. So do you maintain a relationship with a lot of these students after they leave their college? Great question. Um, short answer is not enough. Mm. So we actually provide additional programming. There are three levels of certification that you can get with our programs. It's um, foundations of leadership, advanced uh, uh, certification, then executive certification. And then there's underlying, um, because we are accredited institution, you can actually get college credit by doing some additional work and you can get that. But with our alumni, one of the things that we are actually looking at is just going, how can we keep them connected and not just at their college? So if you're at the University of Arizona or Xavier, it's not just about you staying connected to your own immediate community. 
but how do you create that nationwide network of support and interaction mm -hmm. to help support that? So that's actually one of the things that's on our roadmap in terms of, of an organization, uh, what we want to do a better job at and continue to build programming and options for our students. Uh, Charles, what have you learned about leadership uh, throughout your tenure there? Um, what I have learned about leadership is that you have to be a first always able to pivot. You have to be able to pivot. Whatever is thrown at you, you have to be able to, one, roll with it, two, figure out the plan, and three, bring people along with you on the journey. Um, I'll use COVID as a you know, perfect example is that you know, when March 16th hit and the world shut down, you kind of look at that and you just go, what are we going to do? And I was really fortunate that my business partner and I were very much aligned on the same page that up until March 16th, over 80% of our programs were delivered on campus. So if you're at University of Arizona or at University of Cincinnati, people were going into a classroom, experiencing the programs, working with one another, that all stopped on one day. And so um, we have to pivot. We had to create a different plan. And so my business partner and I and our amazing executive team uh, came together and we said, what's the plan? And uh, in two and a half months, our technology team and our project management team, they built a whole new live online platform so that you know, where you have a Zoom call here, we actually created a brand new platform that was uh, unique to us um, and unique to the marketplace that they could actually uh, stream all the high depth videos, that they could have the breakout rooms, the polling options, the, the ability for them to facilitate what would normally happen in the classroom now on a live online platform. And so um, it's actually being rated and reviewed and evaluated higher than what that live classroom experience has been. And so I think from that experience, that experience, when I look at leadership, it's about knowing that you may not have all the answers, but you have to step up. Again, going back to what I mentioned at the beginning, you have to be able to step up. You have to be able to clear, create that vision. You have to be able to communicate what that vision is. And then you have to be able to actually engage and empower those people around you. And we were very fortunate that our amazing executive team came together in a way that just exceeded every expectation and that our programs are now continuing to change people's lives for the uh, for the better. I mean, I guess you're really practicing what you preach. I mean, that's that's <laughs> really impressive. Two and a half months uh, being in, in you know digital operations myself. Very impressive work right there. Now, um, COVID is something that you, you can't find a mentor for almost. It's something mm -hmm. that's never happened, right? Like, who do you reach out to say, hey, when the last pandemic hit, what did you do in this point in time? What are some of the lessons that you'd be able to take away for if COVID were to come back and someone reached out to you and said, Charles, what did you do last time? Mm -hmm. I think it's an amazing question because when I think the first thing is you always have to have a plan B. I think what this exposed for us, um, and not in a negative way because our team was able to rally, but you have to think about what does happen in that case. Like what are, not that you want to be the uh, pessimist and you want to approach everything like, oh, the, you know, the world's falling. But obviously it, it closed down. But in any situation, I think thinking through what could, what if, the, and going, what are my solutions? And having that team around you. Uh, so thinking through first, what, if, what are the what ifs? Two, knowing who are the people that you're going to go to. Uh, for those answers. I think it goes back to that mentorship. When those problems come up, um, I'm very fortunate. I'm part of an organization called YPO, the Young Presidents Organization. And uh, you know, when business problems come up, whether it's from them and coming to us, uh, you know, other members coming to us as their support or me going to them and saying, hey, I have this problem. 
it is that network. It's that it's that um, board around you, you know, people that are going to be there to help support you, come up with those ideas, and um, you know, really be uh, honest with you and provide their perspective based on their own leadership experiences. Charles asked you about leadership. Now, what is success? What does success mean to you? <laughs> it is your success to me is your own definition of what fulfills your purpose. Success is your own fulfillment of whatever it is your purpose is. I like that. I'm not, yeah, and we tell people, we're not here to define your success. We're not, we're, we're, we're you know, success to you. For you, Kevin, it could be, you know, building this um, really great brand that you're working on and getting this out to as many people to make a positive impact in people's lives. I don't know, but, you know, from what I, you know, have gleaned from you and, you know, I think that that's probably aligned um, with what you're doing, but your success could be financial. It could be in the things that people want, uh, what they do after they listen to one of these uh, podcasts. Every single person's definition of success is individual and personal to them. And I think aligning themselves with that, going back to that purpose question or comment, um, is the foundation to achieving someone's success. I, I think that's so strong. And because there really isn't one definition and everyone has their own. And I think it's, it, you know, it's leaders like you that really understand that, that are really going to drive some change in this world. And uh, I think you are right. I mean, I, I, I did start out like trying to make every piece of content uh, an opportunity for people to see a better version of themselves in the world and saying that since day one uh when we started uh, a video series and that was my passion i kind of realized you know the video series isn't really working out it's a lot of time not making a lot of money doing this we have to pivot we have to change and that was a realization point for yeah. me now i also noticed though i think our our purposes may be more aligned than you think charles um when i was going through school we just didn't talk about sustainability we didn't talk about changing the world. We didn't talk about our purpose, our values, and how to align those uh, those things. So through this journey, I've been able to speak with a lot of social entrepreneurs, people that are actually intentionally trying to solve problems. Are you finding that students nowadays are coming out and saying, hey, the sole purpose of business is to improve society versus maybe maximize shareholder value? Absolutely. Uh, in short, you have a whole generation that um, is wired differently thinks mm. differently um and and i would say that they have a bigger world view than any previous generation before it and how amazing is that that you know we are even a b corp uh you know a benefit corp um we want to make sure that everyone knows and i think that you have to you know you have to stand for something or you're fall for it fall for anything and so i think for what we stand for is our mission is building leaders who make a better world but our BHAG, I don't know if you've heard that term from Jim no, Collins. The, was it? Yeah, the, yeah, so Jim Collins penned this term, the BHAG, the big, hairy, audacious goal. So when you think about you know, Microsoft and a computer on every desk, uh, you, know, you think about you know, JFK's statement that we're going to put on the man on the moon by, 19, you know, by the end of this decade, you know, like huge statements, things that you think are unreasonable. Our mission, our vision, our BHAG is that everybody will know somebody positively impacted by the NSLS. Everybody will know somebody positively impacted by the NSLS. And that's not just here in the United States. That's not just in China. That's not just in India. Worldwide, when you're having a conversation with somebody, they're going to be like, oh, you, you, you know the NSLS? Oh, yeah. Well, my aunt went through something like that, or my friend did something like that. Worldwide. And so right now, we are just in the infancy of, we, of who we are. Like When you think about the iceberg, and there's so much more under the yeah. water, you know, we may be the largest in the collegiate space in what we do. But with that worldwide view, that that hag in front of us, you know, 
from the moment you're born and your parents go through a successful parenting program, your first anti-bullying program in grade school to your first leadership development opportunities in high school and what we do in college now and beyond into your first career out of college and um, or wherever you are in your life at that point, up until those retirement years when we're hosting in this world. And so I think from that perspective, we are taking a very measured approach. We're taking a very uh, systematic approach, um, but we want people to know what we stand for. We want people to know that we will be a force of good. And that's why we're building, I'll call it an, an army of leaders who make a better world. Making a better world. Everyone's going to know someone in NSLS. There's no doubt, Charles, that leaders are connectors to you. What do you think builds a good relationship and makes a good connection? My immediate thought was, you know, we're having some really great conversations with some individuals, um, some really well-known individuals who we're going to be doing some programming with. Mm -hmm. And I always tell them when I walk in, I said, you know, traditionally you hear about the win-win, you know, what's the win for you? What's the win for us? And I go, there's a win-win-win here. And I said, I think that to answer your question, I think it is, it's setting up the win-win-win. It's like, I know what I need, you know what we're going to do for you. But how do these people over here benefit? How do they win over here? And so for us, um, when we talk about any of our partnerships, it's not about, hey, how much more, how many more uh, new members can we get? Or how much more revenue can we get? And it's nothing like that. Or, you know, when we're talking with our partners, we go, we're here to build leaders who make a better world. How do we align with that? And how do we do something positive in the world? And so that's where we create you know, these partnerships with folks who we say, how can we benefit all of these, you know, these millions of students now that we get to positively impact and see our programs and go through them? Um, and so I think, again, it goes back to creating that win-win-win and thinking about, you know, that um, the bigger picture, the world. How does the world win? How do we leave this world a better place by work that we do together? So what are some things you're telling your students when they're interacting with yourself, others in the community, how to build personal, professional skills? What advice would you give to them to really build a strong relationship? Um, First, it's not about you. Uh, and I think for a lot of folks, when they enter mentoring relationships in particular, um, it yes, that mentor wants to help you and they you know are getting on board with what you know you're asking them to do. But you have to remember that you're how can you turn around and how can you help them? What are they looking for? Because they're in that mentor relationship with you for a reason. And so, you know, how can you support them? How can you um, advance a cause that's important to them? How can you show up? You know, if they're hosting, you know, um, a big gala in their area or they're really passionate about saving the whales or whatever, and that you're getting on board and you're supporting whatever it is, uh, you know, just as much as they're giving to you, you need to give back as well. And so I think from that perspective, um, you'll also learn along the way by you, you know, latching on to someone else's vision and latching on to someone else's um, what they find important. I think that is good. It would, uh, you, you learn a lot in that process as well. Charles, you mentioned like everyone's going to know someone that's changing the world and, and we're trying to make the world a better place. Like, what does that look like specifically to you? Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have our core values within our company and we talk about uh, great results by good people. And so our great results, we're very metrics driven. Everything is measured in our company. But the second part of that is good people. And so, you know, we have a lot of folks who come to us from other um, companies that they may have, we always call them their scars that they bring with them. And whether that means that they were coming from, you know, a uh, background with, you know, politicking or backstabbing in their last company. And, you know, that it's just 
uh, you know, they just really bring those scars to us. And, you know, one of the things that I always love the most that, you know, you go on websites and you read about what people think of you, whether you're a member or a previous employee, one of the things that we always focus on for our core company culture is good people. And every single person that has left our company and left a review. And there's over, you know, for we're a small company, we have 75 employees. Um, there's over 35 reviews online and each one talks about how amazing and good the people mm -hmm. are that they're, you know, that they were just good people that were there for the right reasons and that they were, you know, had good intentions. And so I think from that perspective, to answer your question, it's, it's just being a good person. When you think about why are you here in this world and what are you here to do? And are, are you here to make it better? Or are you here just to get what's in it for you? Are you here to make a positive impact or are you here just to occupy space? I, what is, why, why are you here? You know, and, and I think that orientation of being a good person, again, to me, to the company culture that we get to create and the impact we get to have in the world is to say good is making the decisions that are going to build up the world and build up the community and the sense of uh, inclusion that this world has and the sense of um, taking care of those around you and building that around to um, leave this world a better place than what you got it. Absolutely. Now, I think what's so cool about working with young professionals or interns or people in colleges, they just have these high aspirations. Uh, and I remember just like myself as well, just coming out, man, like I'm going to do this, 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 like I, I'm going to write down like my little <laughs> business plan on my piece of paper. Like this is exactly how it's going to go. But it never does. It never nope. does, Charles. I applied for every VP job. I remember graduating from Xavier and I thought I was going in for a VP job. I wasn't going in for, you know, individual contributor or, you know, a specialist role. Like, I'm going to the top. So. Exactly. Because that's how we think, right? Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. and, and so that's just how it is. Now, do you talk about or do your guests talk about, like you said, the scars, the challenges, mm -hmm. the struggles that come with pursuing an ambitious goal? Absolutely. You know, we just had one speaker, um, Steve Madden, um, you know, Madden uh, brand. And, you know, he was just talking about he, he really focused on the mistakes that he made. And that he works extensively, you know, with uh, his young employees. Uh, he, he says, you know, because he wants to make sure that he can help them. If he can help them avoid making some of the mistakes that he made along the way, and he's very transparent about it, that I think that that really is um, golden in terms of, again, having those people who are stepping in with you and helping you navigate that career, helping you navigate um, and, and avoiding some of those pitfalls that for a lot of people that they've had to go and have those scars. And so uh, I think, again, it goes back to people. People want to pave the way for you. People want to make it easier for you. They want to help you. Um, you know, I have a young manager, you know, not a young manager, you know, mid-level manager now. And she even just told me, she goes, I, I heard what you were saying. And she goes, I didn't get it until I actually started managing people. And it was a really great compliment to get that. She goes, I heard you, but I, she goes, I just had to go through it myself. And Again, sometimes depending on who you are as a person, that, that that's a reality. So. That's a great point. Now, there's there's a difference between listening or reading about something and having the aspirations to do something versus actually doing it. Yeah. Uh, are you here? Are you hearing it or are you listening to it? Yeah. Exactly. Like, how do you teach that? How do you teach leadership? <laughs> I've had CEOs come on and say, you know, this is something you can't teach. It's something you got to just be battle tested about. How do you teach something like that? You let people fail. Yeah. 
uh, and you give them the responsibility. And I, you know, my boss, I referred to at the very beginning, he always said, I'm going to give you enough rope. He goes, you're either going to run with it. You're going to hang yourself with it. And mm -hmm. I was like, okay. And he let me fail. And I'll just say leadership is learned when people are giving you the opportunity to fail. And that means that they've given you a responsibility. They've offered you feedback. They've offered you guidance, but ultimately you learn leadership by actually doing it. And so if you're in an environment where, you know, all you're doing is taking a task and you know, you're being told to do this and that's all you have to do. And that's fine. That's some, that's a role, but, it, but if you want to learn leadership, you have to put yourself in a position where you can have ownership, accountability, you know, an ability to, um, you know, guide others and, you know, to, uh, you know, guide a vision. And so I think, again, you have to be in a position where you're allowed to fail and, you know, and that doesn't mean you're going to fail. That's not what I'm trying to say, but that if there, but, but if someone is not letting you actually lead, you're not going to learn it. Um, so to me that, you know, again, it, that's where it roots down to is how you can learn leadership is by doing it. I love that. Now, Charles, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. Uh, Go for it. You're around a lot of, well, you're mostly almost, I mean, every college that I knew you were, you were in, <laughs> if you go online to the uh, NSLS website, is there a difference between working in Oregon versus working in Arizona versus working in Cincinnati? How is your leadership team uh, working on the grounds and, and making sure that, uh, your values or, you know, your goal doesn't you know, differ in place to place. Oh yeah. And I will say it's also different by community college versus four year school, private versus okay. public, um, urban versus rural setting. I mean, there's so many different ways. Um, our wonderful, um, HSIs, Hispanic serving institutions, HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities, each university is its own unique character and um our has its own unique character and life and so uh, we're very uh the way we set up our support structure is to again allow that local leadership to emerge we're the template we're, we're going to give you the leadership template do the programs here's how you outline it but build on top of that so what did they do they took our program into the jail system in flint and they started giving our program and providing our program to those inmates to help them those that were making the transition out and into college that they started to having the resources to be leaders up there. They then also, the students that were looking at going to Mott Community College as high school students, they brought the program to them and said, this can be part of your experience on campus. And so when I look at that, it is every college is unique, and but it's also unique because of the leaders that are there um, and the people that step up. Again, that, you know, when you are thinking of you know, what the culture of University of Arizona is versus what the culture of University of Central Florida. A lot of that comes down to who's the president of the university, who's the dean of students, and what is important to them and what are those values, just like any leader is infusing into those colleges. And we as an organization are required to step up and step into how can we support that vision? How can we support them that if their importance is retention, we want to be the best retention program that they can be impact. We need to be the best impact uh, program that it can be. So more so than what, re, what what location that they are in. Yes, schools are different just by means of the demographics and the you know geographic location, but more so it is about the leaders on that campus who are determining the vision of that campus and those that are giving of their time to volunteer to be leaders for their chapter of the NSLS. Interesting. Now, internally as an organization, mm -hmm. 
it seems like it's a really nice model because you're you're acquiring people that are leaders people that get it people that are probably good workers and are you're surrounding yourself around people who uh, may be more talented you in different areas Mm -hmm. Uh, how important is that to acquire you know good healthy strong intelligent and bold uh people in your company um paramount it is it starts with the people that come into the organization uh, there's a, one of my, uh, my vice president, uh, tyranny, she's been with me now for eight years and, uh, you know, I've been in my role for nine. And so she's really seen the growth of the organization from when she started, I believe we had about 150,000 members to now having 1.3 million members. We had about 125 chapters. Now we have, we're at one out of every six colleges in the country with over 700 schools. Um, and she goes, uh, Chuck, you have a very low tolerance for mediocrity. And so, you know, she just says that is just a requirement for when you come into organization. She goes, you're tough, you're fair, but you have a very low tolerance for mediocrity and you expect everyone to bring their best and also to share the same altruistic, all same world changing view and why we're here to be good people, to do good things. And so um, we actually make that with the company values, including that one of um, great results by good people. That's 20% of every evaluation that we do with an employee that they get measured. Are you a good person? Now, you know, not only are you actually, you know, uh, have great results, but are you a good person? That That's 20% of your annual evaluation with us. And so I think, again, it goes back to the people that we bring in are passionate, are committed, are successful, but they are also very mission driven towards building leaders who make a better world. Let's stay on that point really quick. You said 20% is, are you a good person? What are, what's the other 80%? What are you measuring? What are you looking for? Oh, well, those are their you know, typical company metrics. So every role in the company is clearly defined in terms of what is it that we need you to do for us as an organization. If you're a, a chapter development person, how many phone calls are you making? How many chapters are you, re, you, know, are you developing? How many are successful um, in making sure they're impacting the number of lives positively that we want you to? Um, you know, if you are a marketing person and we're putting objectives in front of you in terms of going, how do we get the good word out about what the programs are doing and how we make sure that we address those concerns from people who may not be aware of who, who we are and the positive impact that we're looking to make in the world. And so, um, again, all of those metrics, you have to have your, your KPIs, your key performance indicators, your clear objective uh, in terms of what you want them to get out. And you need to keep it simple in our, in our philosophy. You need to keep it simple. Um, traditionally, no more than three objectives in terms of what you want that person that can be broken out into that 80% um, and, and making sure that you know they have a clear understanding of what makes them successful in the company. Now, Charles, when COVID hit, did you have to mm-hmm. let any employees go? And what was going through your mind? The first thing beyond the impact on the global community was my team. And, and we just looked at it and we go, we don't know what's happened. And that more students still going to resonate with building their leadership skills, still being uh, resonating with being recognized by their school and being a part of an honor society. And so we had to double down. That's where we just said uh, we're um, we needed to retrench as an organization. And we actually kept every single employee and we've actually grown. We just said at this point in time, and this is a pivotal, pivotal time in history, we can either retrench and double down or we can hold back and go, let's not, let's see what happens. And we're very fortunate that, you know, this fall students still 
need leadership. Students still want recognition for all the work that they are doing on their campuses and going and showing up every day. And so um, we've been very fortunate from that perspective to actually um, not, not have to let go of people. And we've continued to grow um, into this fall. Amazing. Yeah. I've had a leader come on and say, you can't cut your way to growth. And it takes you know, leadership uh, yeah. to really make that change and realize that um, now I've asked you about leadership. I've asked you about success. Now, what's the correlation for leader for uh, good leadership and profitability, good leadership and impact, good leadership and making the world a better place? Mm-hmm. And I go back to that first statement that I made that, you know, you, you are you're going to if you are a good leader, you're going to achieve your success. If you are able to clearly define what it is you want to accomplish, you able to communicate that out and you're able to engage and empower people around there, assuming that it's in line with your purpose, you're going to achieve your success, whatever definition of success that is. Love it. Now, Charles, we've talked a lot about leadership today. Sure. Um, talked about a lot about changing the world, uh, the aspirations of young students coming into the world, decentralization, being in all these different places around the world uh, and how those models may change based on that that area, uh, whether it's a uh, in- income or just the environment itself. Uh, now, Charles, with all this in mind, let's bring this home. What is your yep. definition of a real leader? Yep, a real leader to me is someone who is willing to step up, even when no one else is, to create that vision for making a positive impact in the world, creating the and communicating that out to a community of people who want to hear that, and then engaging those people into going out and making that vision reality. I love it. Well, Charles, it's been a pleasure to speak with you today. I'm so glad we had you come on the Earlier's podcast. I uh, learned a lot today. Wow, you had a lot of good quotes. I'm sure it's going to be tough to figure out which one's going to be in the intro. But for Charles or Chuck Knippen, uh, I'm Kevin Edwards asking you to go out there, step up, and always keep it real. Thanks, Charles. Thanks, Kevin. And thank you, good people, for hanging on to this episode of The Real Leaders Podcast with Charles Knippen. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did and if you haven't yet left a review let us know what you think about this episode how we can improve and what people can expect when they come to this show all you gotta do on apple Podcasts is scroll all the way down to the bottom see those stars rate and review the show and let us know what you think about the real leaders podcast also we want you and the Real Leaders community. That's right. Go online to real-leaders.com and sign up for our newsletter where you will receive valuable tips from some of the best leaders in the world every single Friday to start off your day and take into the weekend. That's it for me. Thanks for being a real leader and stay tuned for the next episode.